Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. How we can practically uh, change the way we're living uh, by living according to the principles of God's kingdom versus the principles of the kingdom of this world. And uh, I told the story last week about uh, how we ended up in that building on 15th Street and uh, that that will always be part of our testimony even though uh, we're no longer there because uh, the the real short uh, story about that is the Lord spoke to us about being very generous and specifically being very generous with somebody who needed a building worse than we did. And so we obeyed. We did that as a church. And, and that opened up a, a door of transition for us. It, it still took about two years to, to get into that building because it had never been anything but a warehouse. And uh, those of you who saw it, you you saw what a transformation it was. And uh, that was, the Lord just provided all that for us. And it was, it's an amazing story. And sometime, if you have time, I, I love to tell the story because uh, it, it brings glory to God. And I don't know how many pastors over the last five years or so I have told that story. And there, there are times when you're having a conversation uh, and you, you can literally feel the Holy Spirit doing something while you're talking. Uh, I, I can understand how Jesus could know that when the woman with the, the bleeding problem touched his robe and she was healed and, and he turned around and asked who touched me and there's a whole crowd of people pushing trying to get at him. He knew. Uh, and when I've talked to pastors and told that story, there's just an impartation of faith that, that has happened, and it's, it's good. So I, I don't want to retell the story, but I, I want to kind of catch us up to where we are. So <clears throat> I guess one way of looking at that story that I told last week is it's about the seed principle. Uh, the Lord spoke to us and we were obedient, so we, we sowed a seed uh, into someone else's building. And then the Lord brought back a harvest to us. And, and so... What, what I want to do today is, is give a, a real practical application for our lives as believers, sort of expanding on the seed principle. 
So let's, let's pray. Father, I, I thank you that your kingdom is so different from the kingdom of this world. It's, it's upside down, it's opposite, it's, uh, it's nothing like the kingdom of this world. And, and that is a good thing. I thank you that your ways are higher than our ways. I, I thank you that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And I, I pray, Father, tonight for an impartation of uh, vision and hope and faith uh, of getting somewhere uh, in our, our Christian lives, in our seeking of you, because you, you desire to bring us to fullness. So I, I thank you, Lord, and ask for you to uh, empower me and speak through me for the glory of your Son. Amen. So I want to share just a couple passages related to the, the seed principle and sowing and reaping. And then I'm going to get into uh, a practical application of that because this, uh, it seems like the Lord has given me one primary message right now in, in this season and, and that primary message has, has been draw near to the Lord now. It will never be easier than right now. And, and we, we need to draw near to the Lord now to prepare for difficulties that are coming and may be coming very soon. Uh, so this is a message where, where you can actually get some really tangible things to do that will help you in drawing near to the Lord and in maintaining faith to get to new places in in our Christian life. So the first passage I want to look at is in Galatians 6. It's one of the most clear passages in the New Testament about sowing and reaping. And it, it's it's got some great insight for us uh, on this subject. Uh, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So, uh, here we have... Uh, I guess one application of, of this passage is why carnal Christians are more dangerous to the church than 
unbelievers. It's because sowing to the flesh leads to corruption. And, man, we don't want to do that. We, we want to sow to the Spirit, and we want to reap according to the Spirit. And we, we know we will reap eternal life, but we will reap more of that eternal life even now before eternity begins. Because that's really what I want to talk about today is reaping that eternal life now and not waiting until after either Jesus comes or uh, our physical body is no more. So the other passage related to sowing and reaping, this, this basic kingdom principle, is Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 26. And he said, Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And this, this is some serious insight into how spiritual progress takes place. Uh, the farmer, once the seed has been sowed or sown into the ground, there, there's not a whole lot he can do. Uh, unless he's an irrigated land farmer, then there's something he can do. Uh, but most farmers don't have control over how much water their, their seed gets. Uh, they have some uh, influence on the quality of the soil, but one of the insights that, that I want us to get is that spiritual progress happens slowly and almost imperceptibly most of the time. Because it's, it's the result of, of a day-by-day pursuit of, of right actions and, and right attitudes that allow the, the seed, the, the seed of God that is in us, if, if we've been born again, uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 9 says, we have the very seed of God with, within us. Uh, it, it takes care on our part for that seed to grow. And uh, I don't know if in my younger days as a Christian I, I was not paying attention or if I didn't hear messages about this or, or what the problem was, but I, somewhere along the line I kind of got the idea that spiritual growth was, was just something that would occur naturally without me having to do anything. And as a result, for a lot of years I, I didn't make much progress. Uh, because while, while there are insights we can gain 
from the sowing of natural seeds, uh, there are some distinctions too. Uh, once we put a natural seed in the ground, if, if it gets the light and, and the water that it needs uh, and it germinates, then, then it will it'll grow up and become a plant and there, there will be a harvest. If, if our entire Christian life is lived in passivity and, and not cultivating right actions and seeking the Lord and right attitudes, we're, we're not going to get very far. If, if we're just sowing according to the flesh and reaping corruption, which, which that is the natural state of, for all of us, uh, the, the, the default condition <laughs> is that we, we will draw further and further away from the Lord over time unless we're doing something specifically to seek Him and to draw nearer to Him and, and to allow that seed of, of Him that's in us to, to grow and, and mature. So that's, that's really what I want to talk about tonight is how does that happen? And, and I think Paul gives us some, some really serious insight into this, this whole process in Ephesians chapter 5. So that's where we're headed next, but I, I have a few things for, for us to consider um, in our lives. Um, you know, what, what is your life vision? Uh, do, do you have a life vision? Um, I remember when I was growing up, uh, I had one sister, and her life vision, which I, I, I think she has been fairly consistent in chasing after this life vision since she was a teenager, she wanted to be rich and famous. Uh, she is neither, but still, <laughs> she, I think, is seeking after some some of that with with her life. And as since I'm five years younger than she was, I, I would hear her talk about that, and I decided, well, that's not what I want. I I don't want to be looked at by a bunch of people. I I just I want to be comfortable and obscure instead of rich and famous. <laughs> I I wanted to have enough. I didn't need to have excess. I, I just I just wanted to be comfortable and be left alone, basically. Uh that that was my life vision. And the problem was that I, I maintained that life vision uh, some years into my Christian experience. And as, as you might guess, uh, a desire to just be comfortable and obscure um, doesn't lead to a, a life of zealous seeking of the Lord and, and really trying to get somewhere spiritually. It's, it's a more passive 
stance. And that, that's kind of where I was. I, I didn't know any better. I, I really, even as, as a Christian and one who grew up in the church and uh, <clears throat> was listening to messages for basically all, all my life, even before I was out of the womb, uh, I, I never got the idea that I needed a, a spiritual vision of where I wanted to get in this life. And I, I think I, I probably have to credit Mike Bickle uh, from the International House of Prayer uh, with, with really uh, having a, a, a really valid uh, spiritual vision for, for his own life. And, and sharing that, and, you know, I, I thought it was so good. Uh, many years ago when I first heard it, I thought that, I want that, yeah. And, you know, it, it reminds me of the passage in Proverbs, and I, I think there's a slide for it, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, that without a prophetic vision the people perish or the people cast off restraint. Yeah. But blessed is he who keeps the law. We, we need a vision, a spiritual vision, for, for where we want to be going. Uh, or, or we're not really going to be going any place in particular. And that's, that's not good for us in, in our spiritual life. So if we have a prophetic vision, then we will be less likely to cast off restraint, less likely to sow according to the flesh and reap corruption, uh, less likely to end up in passivity and, and just letting decade after decade go by and we're, we're still really at the same place. Because that, that isn't what the Lord intends for us as his people. He, he desires that we move toward fullness, which, which also is in Ephesians chapter 4. So <clears throat> the, the life vision that, that Mike Bickle developed, and, and this he developed this back, I think, when he was about 19, which is amazing to me, and I believe he has pursued it pretty zealously ever since. And he, he wanted to be an extravagant worshiper of God and a deliverer of men. And I, I think that's a great spiritual vision. Because we're, what's the greatest commandment? It's to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And one of the ways that we express that is, is through worship. And, and so he, he wanted to be an extravagant worshiper and lover of God. And one who would be anointed to deliver human beings from the forces of darkness. So that, I think that's, it's powerful. So, if we 
will grab onto uh, a spiritual vision of, of where it is that we're going, then uh, we can use this passage that I'm going to next as a means of getting there. So, and this is Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 14. And you could consider the context of this uh, as applying to the church in America, or you could say maybe the, the church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, because prophetically this, this is the, the time period for the Laodicean church. This is the Laodicean hour for the church. And the problem with the Laodicean church, if you recall, is that they were neither cold nor hot. They were lukewarm. And that was a real issue to the Lord because he, he would have rather they be hot or cold, but since they were lukewarm, he, he wanted to just vomit them out of his mouth. And that, that's a pretty strong statement. Well, the problem with being lukewarm, according to the passage in, in Revelation 3, is that they thought they had no problem with the Lord. But in reality, Jesus said they were poor, blind, miserable, and, and naked. Uh, in other words, they, <laughs> they needed a whole lot of help. But they, they thought they were in great shape. And, and so... That is the problem with being lukewarm is you don't think you have a problem. You, you can hear messages about repentance and, and, and agree with it, but nothing changes. And that is the problem with, with being lukewarm. If you're cold and you hear an anointed message about repentance, it's, it's probably going to hit you. And you'll want to repent. But if, if we're just lukewarm, uh, then we, we don't think we have to do anything. So I think that's kind of the context for what Paul is writing here because of the first verse of this passage that, that we're going to look at. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 14 and I'll, I'll start with the second part of the verse, the part that's not continued from verse 13. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I, see, I, I think that's being written to some lukewarm people. And if, if you remember that the church in Ephesus 
was the church that had left their first love in Revelation chapter 2. So that could be the problem as well. But <clears throat> he gives a prescription for becoming awakened in the few verses that follow. And we're going to look at, at verses 14 through 21. So, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we've we've got kind of a a two-part prescription for awakening, personal revival, being filled with the Holy Spirit, all of those things uh, given in the first few verses and then another admonition to be filled with the Holy Spirit and, and a little bit more instruction on how, how to be anointed, how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, <clears throat> first of all, if, if we want to be awakened, if, if we want to be anointed, if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and if, if we have a vision to be maybe an anointed deliverer, uh, maybe an extravagant worshiper, uh, maybe something similar to that, then, then we want to be filled with the Spirit. We want to be anointed. Uh, we we want to listen to what Paul is saying about how to be awakened personally. So the first part in verses 15 and 16, be careful how you live. Don't be unwise, but be wise and make the most of your time. So, that first statement there, be careful how you live, uh, really relates to being purposeful how you live. Uh, the seed principle applies to many things. Uh, what kind of seeds are, are you and I sowing into our lives, in, into our hearts? Those, those seeds, there's, there's seeds being planted right now as I'm speaking. And, and I'm praying these are good seeds 
And I, I believe they are because I'm teaching out of the Word of God. And, and I believe this is a message that he's, he's given me to deliver. So these are good seeds. But uh, different things that you can hear, different things that you can see, different things that you can do are planting seeds in your life. And are, are they good seed? Are, are you sowing according to the Spirit? Or are they bad seeds and, and we're sowing according to the flesh? Uh, because you, you want to avoid that harvest of corruption that, that comes from sowing according to the flesh. You want the harvest of more of the life of God coming into you as you sow according to the Spirit. And Paul says, don't be unwise, but be wise. Make the most of your time. And I think it's really helpful for us to, to have a schedule and, and to set aside time, specific time, to be with the King of Kings. Because if, if we don't do that, uh, there's something called the tyranny of the urgent. And those, those not really important things, but things that, that we can do right now, uh, and, and they will steal from us. They, they will rob from us the, the more valuable pursuit of spending time in the Word of God, spending time in prayer, just spending time quieting yourself before the Lord. So we, you, you have to have a schedule. And, uh, you know, last year about this time, I, I took a, a sabbatical. And one of the things that happened as a result of that is I changed my schedule. I, it was not working for me to try to have my time with God after I got to the office. So I, I had to schedule it before I left the house. Or too often it was being robbed from me. So I changed that. And I've been consistent with that for for the last year it still occasionally gets robbed from me for different reasons but I, I'm much much more consistent uh, with spending that time with the Lord and man we we gotta have that or we're just not gonna make progress because it's just like that natural seed. The farmer who planted his seed a month ago, he, he can't go out every day uh, and look at the field and see how much it's grown. You, you just can't. And our spiritual growth, our spiritual progress, it 
also grows almost imperceptibly. But if, if we will pursue the right things and sow the right seeds and avoid the wrong seeds, in a couple of years, we can look back and say, wow, how did I get here? I'm, I'm just not the same person that I was two years ago. And, and that's, that's what we want to happen. That's what God wants to happen. And that's, so that's why he's giving us this insight. So to be wise is to be purposeful with our time because Paul says, make the most of your time. You know, we, most of us have this thing at home, a couple of things. Uh, we have a television and we have a computer that's probably hooked up to the internet. And uh, you, you could put a, a big yellow uh, sign across either one of those or both and time waster. Uh, <laughs> so to the not spirit, right? <laughs> so to the flesh with with this. That's that's what it does the vast majority of the time. So if we're going to be wise and make the most of our time, let's schedule our time with the Lord and consider that if if someone wants to meet with you at your time that you've scheduled to be with the Lord, uh, it's you're postponing possibly meeting with the King of Kings to meet with somebody about something that is probably much less important than what God might have to say to you. So... I, I don't want to take that too much further, I guess. Uh, but the last phrase there, because the days are evil. I, I want to reemphasize something that I already said uh, about the default tendency for human beings. And it, it has to do with 1 John 5.19. We know that we are from God but the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. There, there's a kingdom of darkness that is at work. It, it wants to steal, kill, and destroy. It, it wants to steal your time. It wants to steal your potential spiritual progress. And the forces of darkness will try all kinds of ways to try to rob your schedule of your most important time. And like I said, that default position, if, if we end up in passivity, rather than purposeful pursuit of God and our spiritual destiny, if, if we fail repeatedly in those things, 
pursuing God and pursuing our spiritual destiny, the natural tendency is, is for us to go backwards. There, there, there really isn't any just staying, treading water and staying in one place in, in the Christian life. Uh, we're, we're either pursuing and, and moving forward or we're moving backward. So have that clear vision and, and even just spiritual fullness, having the nature of Christ fully formed in us, that it's, it's a little more nebulous maybe than being an anointed worshiper and a deliverer of men, but, but it's still a good one. Because having a spiritual vision is much better than not having one. Okay, so on to verse 17. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So if we're foolish we're probably not understanding the will of the Lord. And we're, we're being passive because the will of the Lord is for us to seek Him, for us to know Him, for us to obey Him and, and, and to continually make progress in that, hearing Him having fellowship with him. That is the will of the Lord. Uh, the, the will of the Lord, uh, we, we should think of that uh, in a John 15 way. That abiding, remaining in, living in God is, is our inheritance. But it, it doesn't, just happen if if we abide in the lord we stay firmly connected to the vine we will bear fruit but that it takes that purposeful connection in order to continually abide And it, it is foolish of us to, to not pursue that intimacy that God offers to us. Because that, that is the highest and best life that's available to us. Okay, on to verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And the, the wine has, has a couple meanings. I mean, obviously there's the meaning in the natural, where... 
He's telling us not to get drunk with, with real physical wine because it leads to uh, a very self-centered, wasteful kind of life. That's the debauchery. But wine is also a symbol for the world. So, so do not be influenced by the world. Instead, seek to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. And that's the distinction that he's making in, in verse 18. Seek to not be influenced by wine, by, by the world. Instead, seek to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. And, and that, that reminds me of Romans 6 through Romans 8, where we find out that only the life that is led by the Spirit can possibly please God. That a life of, of just going according to natural desires and natural wants and living for the, the flesh and the natural, is, it's not pleasing to God. And it, it can't be, Paul says. So this is where he reiterates his admonition for us to be anointed, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he, he has more instruction for us about how to get there. So verse 19, well, a, a couple more things. Uh, elaborating on verse 18. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the Spirit. We, we need to seek to not just have right actions because we know sin robs us of anointing. And sin grieves the Holy Spirit. It quenches the Holy Spirit. But it's not just sinful actions, but it's sinful attitudes as well. And that's kind of what Paul gets into in, in the next few verses. So we need to seek not just to be filled with the Spirit, but seek to maintain that filling and that anointing that the Lord will give us. Now, verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. And the first part of that verse can be translated a couple different ways. It, it can be speaking to one another. It can be speaking to yourself. And I think... There's, there's a lot to speaking to ourselves with 
psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs that releases a making melody in our hearts to the Lord. Uh, let me just ask a, a rhetorical question so you don't have to answer. But how many times do you tell the Lord that you love him? Every day? At least once a year? <laughs> Maybe when you were saved? <laughs> um, what Paul is encouraging us to do here is, is to practice expressing our love and our affection to the Lord. Because it, in, in doing so, we, we convince our, ourselves somehow, I, subconsciously, I think, that we're communicating with a real person. If, if we never have a real conversation with Jesus, are we really convinced that he's a real person? And, and I think that's what Paul is encouraging us to do. There's, there's a lot of encouragement for us to be found in the Psalms. We can strengthen ourselves in the Lord with the Psalms. Uh, there, there are few kinds of difficulty that we face that David did not face. And, and he wrote Psalms at all of those different points for our benefit. And so we, we can read those, we, we can sing those, uh, we can speak those to ourselves, we can speak them to one another. Because sometimes we just, we not only need to encourage ourselves, sometimes we get to a place where we need somebody else to encourage us too. And so there's, there's a place for both speaking to ourselves and speaking to one another with these kinds of real words. It, it builds our divine connection that, that we need to have not just in our spirit, but our soul needs to be convinced of this as well. And by actually speaking it, we're, we're convincing our soul that this is something that's real and something that is valuable. So, so that's, that's the first part of the second half of, of what we can do. And the more that we do this, the easier it becomes. Okay? Because if, if you haven't said I love you to the Lord very recently, it, it, it may kind of fall out of your mouth with some difficulty. But, but the more you do it, the easier it becomes, and it, it will bring forth that melody 
in your heart. It, it will become more real to you that I am, I do love the Lord, my God. I do, and I, I can tell him. Okay, yeah, you, you get that. Give thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, that sounds rather difficult, doesn't it? It's, it's one of those verses that you would almost have to conclude doesn't really mean what it clearly says. Right? Theologians are good at that. <laughs> Taking a verse that obviously says something and then they, they make it say something else. Uh, <clears throat> giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are things that we don't really want to give thanks for, right? We, we can all agree on that. There, there are things that it would be hard to give thanks for. So what, what I'm going to, uh, to give you is a, a thought on this. Uh, <clears throat> see, the, the verse that we just looked at was an invitation to dialogue with God. And I, I think that's what this is too. Because there are things that we don't like and things that are probably not as they should be. And it's hard for us to give thanks for them. So what the Lord would have us do, I think, is, is to go to him rather than complaining and rather than criticizing because complaining and criticizing are a couple of those things that will grieve the Holy Spirit and will cause us to lose anointing. So if, if we can take those things that may, may not be as, as we think they should be, and, and let's just say in the church, okay, uh, and instead of complaining and being critical, we, we take those things to the Lord. Because, you know, maybe you have an opinion that is actually better than the, the one that's being followed. That's possible. And, and so your natural tendency would be to complain or criticize, but the Lord says, no, don't do that. Come to me instead and ask me to change it. 
rather than taking matters in your own hands. And, and see, that, that will, will build your dialogue. It, it will build your relationship with the Lord because he'll say, yes, yes, bring that to me. <laughs> I know, I have an opinion about it too. <laughs> and, and I don't really like it. I, I've been waiting for somebody to ask me to do something about this. So, so let's, let's work on this together and, and let's pray and, and let's see what might happen. And then you can be thankful because now you've left it with the Lord Jesus who, who can actually do something about it and you haven't sinned by being critical or complaining. Instead, you've done the right thing. And, and that's, that's a great thing. And, and finally, verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, these last three verses that, that we looked at after verse 18, they, they get progressively more difficult, right? <laughs> so, just... Speaking things that are a little bit uncomfortable, it, it's not that easy, but it's not really very difficult, especially if you're just doing it to yourself. And you can also do it to one another. But then the part about being thankful for everything and not complaining and being critical... Uh, but taking all those things that aren't really what they should be to the Lord and leaving it with Him and continuing to function in the thing that isn't probably the way it should be, that's harder. And then this one is even harder. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because, you know, people don't like to submit to one another. And every one of us is in multiple different authority structures. There's the authority structure that you're in in your job. There's the authority structure that you're in in your family. There's the authority structure of the church. There's uh, the governmental authority structure. There's, there's all kinds of them. And, and there's, there's all kinds of ungodly leaders who, who do things that they shouldn't be doing. And, and the Lord tells us Submit to them. And bring me the problems. Yeah, that boss that just is unfair to you because you're a Christian and 
asks for more of you than anybody else, what, whatever it is. Uh, take it to me. Because, you know, we're, we're told in Thessalonians to do everything as unto the Lord. And, and so, as difficult as it is to submit to ungodly, unrighteous, unwise leadership, you know, whatever it is, and whatever authority structure, the Lord says, come to me with the problem, but I will give you grace to submit to what's not right because you're going to do it unto me. And what you're doing is obedience to me even if you really don't want to honor this boss or whoever, whoever it is. Uh, and you will enable yourself to maintain that level of the Holy Spirit, that level of anointing that you need for the seed of God within you to continue to grow for the life of God within you to continue to grow. Because we're going somewhere. And we're going there a, a little tiny bit at a time every day. And yeah, we have those times like two weeks ago when there was just a breakthrough and... I mean, we need those times. And, and they, they sometimes take us from one place and, and put us in a different place. But in order to keep that trajectory going in the right direction, we've we got to maintain that day after day after day in the mundane of life where... We're continuing to sow to the Spirit so that we can reap eternal life and we can end up where we're headed. Okay. So any questions, insights? Comments? Gary. You know, you talk about the days that sometimes we don't get to spend that time with the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, I've always called those days of grace. Mm -hmm. He knows sometimes we can't condemn. Yeah. You know, He doesn't condemn us. Right. But He gives us the grace to come again next, the next day. Yeah. Days of grace. Yes. Yeah, what, what Gary said is uh, he has a name for those days when... Our time was robbed, and we didn't get to spend time with God. It's a day of grace because tomorrow we can still meet with the Lord. Where, where we run into problems is where the day of grace turns into a week and then a month <laughs> and then six months, and, and we end up like one of the five unwise virgins with 
with no oil in our lamp. And, and that's, that's really what, what this is all about. Uh, you, you can't fill your lamp with oil in a day or even a week or even a month. Uh, it's, it's, it's done over a longer period of time. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll just be real transparent. Uh, a year ago when I took that sabbatical, I, I didn't know how empty I was, how empty my lamp was. And yeah, I've, I've been purposefully pursuing this for a year. I, I still don't feel like my lamp's full. It's got a lot more oil in it than it did a year ago, but I, I want it to be more full. Yes? I think you can rob Mike Bickles, and, and that, would, that would be good. <laughs> because I think it's a really good one. Uh, I think you could ask the Lord for one for yourself. Uh, but I, I think the first commandment has to be a big part of, of whatever our life vision is. Uh, we, we've got to be lovers of God, and, and we've got to know Him. And that means loving Him more a year from now than we do now, and knowing Him and His ways more in a year than we do now. Yeah. And it should also involve the, the second commandment. That's, that's why I liked Mike Bickles so well, it, is that it had both of them. Not only loving God, but loving people and wanting to see them delivered, brought into the kingdom. Yeah. Anything else? Well, let me pray for us. Mm. Father, I, I thank you so much that you are for us. Uh, you're, you're more for us and for our spiritual progress than we are. And I, I pray, Lord, that uh, you would awaken us, that you would deliver us from any passivity in our relationship with you, in our pursuit of you. Uh, I ask, Lord, that you would give us a hunger for you. Uh, that you would give us wisdom with our, our schedules to schedule time with you. And, and that you would just show us how to water that seed of your life that, that is in us and how to sow to the Spirit. So in a year from now, we'd, we'd be in a different place. And, and Lord, I, I just pray that for the Church of Cheyenne, too. Lord, that your people in this city would be awakened uh, with a desire to be filled with you and filled with your spirit, filled with your life. Uh, so thank you for our time together tonight. We bless you. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Well, have a blessed week. Look at your schedule. (laughs) And don't be Laodicean. Actually make some changes.